Principal Matters Podcast, episode 375. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters. Before we jump into this week's episode, which is She Leads, Jen Schwanke interviewing author Rachel George, I want to say just a couple of words. First of all, you're going to love this conversation as you learn about Rachel's background in firefighting, as well as powerful feedback on how to manage stress in leadership and relationships. And she and Jen also talk about the unique challenges of women in leadership. Now, this episode will be coming out during the holiday season, so I want to wish you all the best as you celebrate with your family and friends and step into the new year. 2023 has been an unbelievable year for the Principal Matters community. This podcast now boasts more than 1.3 million downloads. This year, 117 leaders participated in virtual Principal Matters Grow Academies, Mastermind Offerings, and Executive Coaching. And I've been able to connect with hundreds more through in-person conferences and professional development If you are interested in growing together through any of our offerings, please reach out at will at williamdparker.com or go to the website at williamdparker.com and click on the services link. Again, a big thank you to Dr. Jen Schwanke for hosting this week's episode. And thank you for doing what matters. And we'll start, we'll dig right in. Hi, everyone. Hello, Principal Matters listeners. Uh, Rachel and I literally just turned on our recording. And so we haven't really said a proper good morning, but it's worth mentioning. Rachel, you might win the prize for the earliest podcast recording. Oh, geez. I'm on the I'm on the West Coast. So right. <laughs> and you're on the other side. <laughs> exactly. So when um I reached out to Dr. Rachel George and asked her if she might jump on a Principal Matters podcast, we threw some times back and forth. And um bright and early, 6 a.m. is is when Rachel's recording with us and she's sipping away at her coffee, which makes me feel a little bit better about it. <laughs> with wet hair. So all good. <laughs> wet hair. Right, right. <laughs> Well, um, I remember that radio voice, Dr. George, uh, you and I met maybe um, 2016, I think you were working with BAM Radio, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, So this is kind of a reunion of sorts for us because we've only spoken, you know, audibly over over recordings. But um, this is going to be super fun. So let me introduce you to our listeners and then I'm going to kind of turn it over to you to tell us who you are. Yeah, sounds great. Okay, so. This is such a hook, the opening of Rachel's bio. So let's just go there. From fighting wildland fires with the U.S. Forest Service to putting out fires in the classroom, education was the last place that Rachel thought she'd end up. It wasn't until a hard conversation with a base manager in Grangeville, Idaho, did Rachel realize she needed to put her chainsaw down and make her bigger impact on the world. So I definitely want to know more about that. Rachel is a member of the ASCD Emerging Leaders Class of 2015, and she's currently serving as the Executive Director of Elementary Programs and Pre-K Principals in the Oregon Trail School District. Uh, Rachel's the past principal of Sandy Grade School, and you spent seven years there, Rachel, and they moved from being one of the lowest ranked elementary schools in the entire state of Oregon to performing in the top 20% of elementary schools. Sandy Grade has been recognized by the International Center for Leadership and Education as a model school for closing the achievement gap. Prior to that, you were a middle school principal of an outstanding and two-time level five model school recognized by the state of Oregon. And I know your specialization is in curriculum development 
in instructional improvement, working with at-risk students and closing that achievement gap. So you have so many wonderful experiences. And by the way, a book we're going to talk about. So let me turn it over to you though. Tell me about yourself and your journey. You've got to mention the chainsaw in this answer though. <laughs> All right. That's the stipulation. Got to put the word chainsaw. Right. right. And tie that in for sure. Right. Um, so literally, I mean, education was la- the last place. I think my mom kept trying to like drop hints and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Um, and it kind of took me a while to find my path. And I ended up, it was interesting. I graduated from a really tiny town. I had like 54 in my graduating class. People went to college or they worked in the woods. And I was like, well, I know I'm going to college. But one of my girlfriends was like, hey, do you want to make money? Because I was going to work at a bank over the summer. I'm like, yeah, of course I want to make money for college. She goes, you need to go work in fire. And um, the disclaimer is like, I used to do pageants. I did some pageants in high school. So you can just imagine like a pageant type person. And then having that conversation, do you want to go work in the woods? And you're like, okay, well, I run, I'm athletic. Like I've done sports. I'll give it a whirl. Like I trusted my friend. And I remember like the first couple of weeks, I'm like, where's the trail? And they're like, there is no trail. I'm like, where's the bathroom? So it's just like a, such a huge learning curve, but it opened my eyes to just an area that I absolutely loved being outside, like just being physically active in that fresh air. And let's face it, the adrenaline, which you find right in the principalship. But it had roadblocks. It had challenges. I actually had like a permanent job with the federal government um, and was going around and having some conversations with some different smoke jumper bases. And the base manager's like, what do your parents do? And I'm like, oh, my mom's a elementary principal. My dad's a city manager. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I like cutting down trees. I'm really good at it. I like running a chainsaw. And he's like, you need you need to go back to school, Rachel, back to school and do something with your life. And I'm like, I am, I'm making a difference. I say poems and like natural resources. And he's like, no, you need to, you need to go change like the world. Um, which I was kind of offended because I was like, I don't think this guy is going to hire me, but it worked out. I mean, it did. Cause I marinated on that topic and there were some other circumstances and situations where I'm like, you know, I'm going to go going to go back to school. But the interesting piece is that I continued to work in fire for the forest service all the way up to my first principalship. So I just quit just a couple days before, like I reported to work. And so, and even then I lived at the ranger station in the town that I had relocated to. So it's very much for both good and bad ingrained in a lot of my leadership characteristics, which has taken some time to like definitely soften because operating in like fire is very similar, but also very different in terms of, you know, leadership within education. So that's how I got from one point to another, um, with some meandering and a lot of life lessons. Um, well, as I, you, yeah, as you were talking, I kept, I kept making these symbolic connections. You know, there is no trail, there is no restroom mm-hmm. <laughs> there, you know, you're, you have to use your strength and your fortitude and your mind and figure it out. You know, you have to, you have to figure it out. And there is so many parallels to the principalship there. Most definitely. So, so what are you doing now? Oh Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It's it's like other duties as a sign. (laughs) Like, what are you doing now? Um, well, it's interesting. So I'm at the district office level now, but I still kind of have my fingers and dabble in the the pre-K world, which I absolutely love. Um, but also it's like a learning curve, right? As an elementary principal, it's not definitely like kindergarten, just scale down. I thought that for many years and I got schooled up by early childhood. So I really wanted to just help be supportive of the amazing leader that was coming in after me that was my title teacher of just trying to like skinny up what she needed to focus on and because that's just another ball that she needed to juggle. So um, I work at the district, district office with elementary programs. So I cover all the title three, title one 
grants, all that good jazz. And then my favorite part is working alongside all the elementary principals. Absolutely love that. Um, it's almost, I mean, I'm not grandma age, but like, I feel like I'm kind of like a grandma, right? Like you get to like swoop in, have fun, like coach, give some advice, like help mentor. And then you're like, catch you later. Right. Tell me if you right. have some issues, like you're not having to do the parenting. Right. Exactly. You're like, you know, I'm not the one that's like getting the phone calls. I'll help you work right. through the problem and right. I'll help you and I'll do it alongside of you or model it. But like, I'm empowering you. So that's right. been a really, really neat experience. So I've been doing that for the last, I think, three years and with student services K-12. So that was kind of a 2021 20, change that like occurred over winter break. You know, you get the the text from your superintendent. It's like, can you call me? And it's winter break. And you're like, that's not good. <laughs> Either I'm fired or, or I'm promoted. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you're going to sped. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, at least I've done that before. It's just been a long while. Right. Well, again, there's such an important tie there. You know, you spoke about how you support the principals. You'll mentor them. You'll help them through it. You'll you'll role play it if you need to, but you don't do it for them. And I think that's one of the tricky things for the principalship. I know when I first started, mad parent, I'll call him for you, uh, difficult student, send him down to me. That's the wrong approach. The right approach is, okay, how can we brainstorm this? What might you say to that parent? Where could we change something with this child? It's not doing it for them. That's not mm -hmm. good leadership. Completely. It reminds me of, I mean, Todd Whitaker, one of my favorite authors in his book, Shifting the Monkey, right? And oftentimes, especially for new principals coming in, we're wanting to fix, or maybe that's just part of our personality, even for those that have been in that seat for a while. And after a while, your office is full of those monkeys, but it's right. how you develop that capacity. And you know what? It's it's a catch-22 because when you leave, you haven't developed the staff and some of those systems aren't being able to be sustained. So it's actually like teaching them to fish that whole, you know, it's so true. Yeah. And saying to them, you've got it. You've got, I believe in you, you know, mm -hmm. we are in this together and I'm here, but, um, I, I talk a lot about the word support. And many times people think that a supportive principle takes those monkeys, right? Whereas mm -hmm. I believe support isn't taking the monkeys. It's saying, I have such faith in you. You're going to keep the monkey, but I see the monkey. I hear the monkey and I'm going to help you with that monkey. So that's, that's now you Very mentioned true. authors, you mentioned Todd Whitaker, you too are an author. And I, as soon as you published your book, I bought it and I still Aww. have it. And it's called She Leads, which I love that title. But tell us what precipitated that book. Um, and you can start with the process of thinking about it, writing it, what impact it has had on you. Like, tell us about yeah. She Leads. So this is actually, this is my second book. Um, I had Principal Navigating the Leadership Learning Curve that I wrote with two wonderful, amazing colleagues that I met through our state association, Courtney Furua and Kate Barker. Um, and through my state association, I also met an incredible leader who's now a superintendent in Oregon, Miley's Tolan. And she and I were visiting with Beth Huff and Beth Huff and Shelly Burgess wrote Lead Like a Pirate, which was a game changer for me and my leadership. Um, almost felt like Bagger Vance getting like my swing back because it just was kind of in a funk of like, burnout, not motivated, not inspired. Um, and we were visiting with her. She was here for our state association doing a keynote. And we're like, you know, we love lead lap, but you know, leading as a woman is very different. And she's like, yeah, tell me more. And so we were visiting with her and, you know, like, we're like, if we had a magic wand, that'd be like a great addition. And so, you know, we were kind of like joking, but kind of like not joking. So then my Elise and I are like, let's try to write a proposal. Let's see if we can do this. So ironically, after a NASSP region meeting um, in Sacramento, we were visiting and we're like, let's do this. Let's start sketching it out. So it took a long time. It was kind of right around, I think that was 
probably the fall of 2019. And so then the shutdown occurred. And so it was in the spring when we finally got that book proposal approved, which we were super excited about. But let me tell you, um, word counts are not my forte. So like we wrote this book and we we're like so excited. And it was real special because we had um, a large variety of different women leaders from the classroom all the way up to the superintendent level across the nation that contributed for their tip strategies and kind of their struggles that they've had to really help women navigate them. And the word count was double what it needed to be. I think it was like a hundred thousand. And we're like, this book's solid. They wrote back, they're like, you need to cut half of it. Right. What? <laughs> half? Um, so that took a lot of finagling. My Elise, bless her heart. She was actually taking care of her, um, her mom as she was passing away and in hospice with cancer. And mm-hmm. she literally like cut up the book with scissors. Like I'm on a zoom call. She's in Washington and she's like, just snipping away. Like we got to oh. organize this. Um, she was so brave. I couldn't have done that. Uh, but we're just really, really thankful for all of our contributors for the vignettes uh, because we definitely acknowledge and realize that like two white women from Oregon, 100% does not represent the experiences of women across the nation. And I would say that we just even scratched the service because once it was published, there's so many other things I'm sure. I mean, you've published multiple books, you know, that you're like, ah, I wish I would have included this, you know, like people are great at pointing out blind spots and we greatly appreciate that. Like sponsorship didn't include that. You know, I've also over the last two years, I've had a lot of personal and professional growth at a lot of areas. And it's like, I'm rethinking some of the networking pieces. And I'm also thinking some of like rethinking some of the power structures that are unspoken within um, because there is a lot and there is a lot that we maybe just keep our mouth shut and just do to play the game, to get ahead. And that's been fascinating. And those have been perspectives that have been provided to me from people outside of education. And I'm like, skeptical at first, but then as I ponder, I'm like, eh, it has some legit, you know, points to it. So there might right. be another one who knows, but, um, it was a great, a great journey and just honored for everyone that helped. Well, and I think the thing I admire most about you taking on this project is people don't take on this project, right? We all have our lived experiences. There's moments where we think, wait, would that have been different if I weren't a woman in the seat? But we don't know how to explore that question Mm -hmm. in our minds. And we know it's there. And it's, I I always want to be clear, my interest in female leadership has nothing to do with a comparison or a competition with male leaders, not at all, you know, it's, it's its own thing. And so Mm -hmm. I really want to caveat that because I've had incredible mentors that are, are men and have really boosted me up. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're in a, in a room of female leaders or you're reading a book, like she leads, you see yourself and you val it validates those moments when you think, huh, I, I, I don't like my favorite story is um, I was at a basketball game once and my male colleague who was a, a high school principal, I got the what for from a parent so mad. I don't even remember what it was. And I listened as we do listen calmly said, you know, let's, you know, give me a call. We'll talk about this. And the parent left and he looked at me, he said, I have never been spoken to that way. It's because you're, you know, he feels this parent feels that he can speak to you that way. And I didn't know how to dissect that. I still Mm -hmm. don't, Mm -hmm. but even men will see it is a different journey for a woman. And Mm -hmm. that's why I appreciate that book so much. And, and so when you heard from people across the country, what were they saying about being a leader? What were your takeaways? Some of the things that you've changed your own mindset? Yeah, I think one of the big components is that you're not alone. And that's definitely resonated with a lot of women leaders across the U S 
is that the things that they're experiencing have happened to other women. Um, maybe something similar, maybe something more intense, uh, maybe something a little lighter that they hadn't thought of. I really hope and appreciate and would expect like, even if these things haven't happened to you, I think it's always really nice to just be prepared. It's kind of like, you know, like a bomb threat or something crazy that happens. Like let's role play this in your head. So then you have the video. So when it does happen, you know how to respond or you're not too shocked, right? Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that this would ever happen. Well, okay, well, that's kind of part of the job or some of the different pieces. And I think the more, you know, the better you do in terms of just being able to navigate it. Like just the story that you shared with me, it's like, oh, interesting. Yeah. So then now knowing that and picturing that, like that gives me something to connect and experience to if it ever happens. And maybe I'm going to be a little bit more prepared with a word choice or a response to it perhaps, or I'm just going to marinate on it and be like, what do I think about this? Exactly. Good, bad. How do I approach these conversations? And it helps me become a better, a better leader. And so the, the book is definitely very conversational, which I love and appreciate. There's some references to different books and there's definitely a book reading list of books that are incredibly powerful in the back. Um, but it's definitely one that you could sit with a glass of wine or a cup of coffee and just visit with your girlfriends and be like, okay, we got this. I mean, I've talked to probably three principals in the last couple of weeks that are like, I don't know if this is the right job for me. Like I'm having a really hard time. Um, I'm getting pushed back on X, Y, and Z and like, I'm getting pressure from here. And how do I navigate this? Um, working with a new principal, you know, recently they're like, they're drowning. And, right. I, that, and that was the conversation. Like, I'm super worried about you. So having some tips and strategies as, as you navigate that, I think is incredibly helpful because let's face it, we do carry a second shift at home with a significant other or managing and leading a home because there also is that at play, right. Or the dynamic of kids and being present within sports activities, particularly if your kids are in high school. And I mean, I have some friends that their kids are headed off to college in the next couple of years. And those moments are incredibly precious. And I think that's the biggest life lesson over the last couple of years is that we got to really stop. I mean, kids 100% of the time, but we need to stop sacrificing some of our other areas of our life. I I could not. Yeah, I could not agree more. And I think there is a bit of a crisis in leadership for the exact reasons you said. There's a lot of principals saying, wait, is this for me? And I've started to talk about a term I made up, the um, society's addiction to outrage, right? If Mm -hmm. something doesn't feel right, I'm going to be mad about it. And so many times the principals are expected to absorb that outrage that really has nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. And so your, your key takeaway that you're not alone, I think that's everything. And I envision, you said this book with a glass of wine or cup of coffee. I envision this is a book study that women leaders, teachers, principals, central office leaders should do a book study, have a glass of wine, have a laugh, tell each other stories, because that's where the connection is. 100%. And, you know, um, NAESP did a national book study on She Leads, which that was really, really exciting. I think Nevada is picking up one. Um, Ohio did one last year. California, I think, did one in 2022. So it's definitely a real popular one within districts, within uh, state associations, and even at the national level, or just a bunch of gals picking it up. Um, I know some local districts did that. And we're always happy to hop on and say hi um, and and just connect with our readers. So that's always an honor. 
that yeah let's at the end we're going to make sure we tell our listeners how to find you too because i think a lot of districts are um finally and justifiably having this conversation with their women they're not saying okay those biddies are in the corner grumping about something they're saying wait what's the experience that these women are having and they're looking for resources mm-hmm. and so your book exists but so do you which is an important connection there so we're going to wrap with that Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors, and then we'll be right back. Support for Principal Matters comes from Aptigee. More than 3,500 school districts have switched to Aptigee since 2016 for one reason. Aptigee powers the identity of your school. We all know that communication is important, but what are you communicating If it's just information, you're missing an opportunity to build a school brand around your strengths and values. What I love about Aptigee is how they think and talk about communication as a critical component of building your brand that engages your entire school community. With the Thrill Share platform, Aptigee brings everything you need for school marketing and communications together into a single mobile app. Write a story once and send it across your school website and mobile app, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, text messages, and voice calls. By making it easy to share stories about your strengths, you can control the conversation around your brand. Learn more about Aptigee at Aptigee.com and tell them that Principal Matters sent you. Support for Principal Matters comes from DigiCoach and its walkthrough tool. When Kathleen Beckham was a district director, she would walk through classrooms and see teachers engaging students in learning or observe elements missing in their instruction. And her biggest challenge was finding the time to give those teachers meaningful and helpful feedback that they would value as coaching and not correction. In the past, Kathleen spent hours and follow-up email exchanges after informal walkthroughs. But that all changed when she discovered DigiCoach. She now has a tool that can help her send immediate feedback from her phone or her tablet. DigiCoach is a fully customizable tool created by school leaders for school leaders to not only collect walkthrough data, but also ensure every teacher receives ongoing support, feedback, and coaching. It features thousands of pre-written research-based commendations and coaching tips that can be included along with your own observation comments and a follow-up email ensuring all teachers receive effective and timely support. Are you ready to make the most of your walkthroughs with a tool that saves you time and enhances meaningful feedback to your teachers? Go to digicoach.com to learn more and please tell them Principal Matters recommended you check them out. That's digicoach.com. You, um, I wanted to ask about some specific challenges you see school principals facing this day, these days. And you, you kind of mentioned that this questioning, am I up for this? Do I want to do this? Is this how I want to spend my days? Why do you think these challenges are particularly difficult these days? Yeah. Um, great question. I would impossible to to answer. (laughs) I know. Well, and I want to say like, it's different since like COVID, but honestly, if you really kind of step back, like the job was still hard before then it's just a different type of hard. Mm -hmm. So if I were to like step back and take that into consideration, I would say that we're incredibly caring, compassionate, hardworking folks. And we tie our 
ego and our worth often in our job, which is a great thing, but it also can be very challenging when we're struggling at work. Uh, when we're stressed at work, we probably carry it home. There's a lot of folks that have trouble disconnecting or separating it. And the reason that that's important or plays a role in now is that the challenges that we're facing at school are very different than what they were before 2020. And with these challenges also comes no answers. Staffing has no answer. I mean, there's some answers, but it's not a perfect answer. Um, let's see, staff being able to like quietly opt out or quit. There's no exact answer for some of these pieces. So then when I come to my job and my ego vision and worth of myself is attached to my job and I'm struggling through it and I have these obstacles that are incredibly challenging, I think the level of burnout and frustration is just magnified even more. But I believe it was there before the pandemic 100%. I think the other components that really make it challenging, I think staffing's a big one. I was talking with someone recently where we have students that we're trying to support and we have people that just aren't there or we have positions that we're not able to fill. And so there's a big disconnect because between what we want to do, what we know we can do, what we're skilled at to actually being able to implement and do. And it's something that is taking a lot of creative scheduling, a lot of thought, but also when you put all that thought in creative scheduling, sometimes it goes out the window when you wake up at 6am and you look at your staffing list and you know, you have two unfilled spots. So that's hard because you're seeing kids directly impacted on a daily basis. You see staff frustrated with staffing schedule changes. And then the big piece is that I think you hit it with that aggression piece. There's been a shift in how people view educators. I think they were definitely the heroes in the pandemic. And now there's an even greater need with mental health um, for everyone, even though telehealth is much more available, which if you're not connected to a therapist online, you probably should. Everyone needs one. They truly do. Um, but that there's like that ability to just go off on people without any filter. It's like the keyboard warriors are now doing it to your face or they're doing it even more. And again, that connects back to what I started with. We're caring individuals that are really trying to do everything in our heart and ability to help support kids. And it hurts when you feel attacked and not heard. And many times we can't speak up or say the other side. And that just, if you don't have a way to, again, go back to telehealth and processing, if you don't have a way to process it, it builds up in your backpack, just like kids from poverty or trauma, your backpack's filling up too. So I think the parallel is we have some trauma going on that we're not necessarily processing to as adults. So I want all Principal Matters listeners to push your 15 second rewind a few times to Ooh. hear all of that again, Rachel, that was so powerful. I think there's many layers you revealed there. And, you know, I think principals in, in my perspective, they're struggling because they hear this, these voices saying, set limits, set boundaries, take care of yourself, take care of your health. But then they still wake up at six in the morning and see the sub list and realize they're in a pickle, you know, mm -hmm. or they, they get to work, their day's planned. It's going to be great. And then a kid shoves another kid hard into a locker and their, their day's gone. Cause that's going to be investigation. It's going to be phone calls. It's going to be getting yelled at. So, you know, principals don't necessarily, they know the concept of setting boundaries, but I, I think the shift for me is a boundary doesn't mean, okay, I'm done at this time. It means, a, a boundary is teaching others how to treat you. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so maybe it's saying to your staff, um, I will answer your phone call at 10 PM if it's an emergency, mm -hmm. but, but I, this is how I need you to care for me as I care for you. And I, that's kind of a new concept for me because I think it's hard to answer that principal question. Um, when they say to us, how do I set boundaries? 
or how do I take care of myself? And we're like, well, just do it, right? <laughs> what does that actually look like and sound like when they know their entire day day might mm-hmm. be blown up when they wake up? It's uh, I had a, a mentor. She one time said like, every day is like Christmas. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and sometimes it's a great gift. And other times you're like, oh, okay. Right. I got, I got coal today. I'm going to work right. through this and I'm going to make a warm fire out of it. Right. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I mean, you, you 100% are, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of truth to that. Right. So one of the things, again, we've never met in person, Rachel, but you kind of emanate a bit of joy. You are a joyful, positive person. How do you stay with that? Like you don't any longer have a chainsaw in your hand, but where, where do you get out those feelings and that power and still say joy, stay joyful and positive? Oh, geez. Well, (laughs) um, I mean, like that's a loaded, that's a loaded question. Of course um, it is. It, it 100% is. I want to start, I guess, by shouting out to Jessica Cabine. She's one of my favorites and she really talks about balance and self-care. Uh, and she's a principal at the high school level right now. She's been at all levels, just, just a gem. And so if you're not following her work on this, she gives you a ton of strategies, including how to set some boundaries and work-life balance and some different pieces that have worked for her as she's navigated kids growing up. So I think that's, that's a great starting spot. I've stolen a lot of her ideas and implemented it because I love reading her books and I love visiting with her as a friend. But for me personally, I would say it's, it's a journey. Um, The people that are closest to me know that I went through some really, really big life changes in 2022 when um, my late husband passed away in June of cancer and he's a middle school principal. And let me tell you, like worked all the way up until when he was put in hospice And when I made the comment about telehealth and therapy, I, there's a lot of, a lot of truth to that, right? Like you choose your own happiness. You choose your decisions in your life. You choose how you make yourself happy and how you spend your time. And I've done a lot of work on that. A lot of work. Um, You really, truly can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. And if you're going through trauma and you still like, you have two choices, you can like deal with it or not deal with it. And if you're not dealing with it, you're not getting better. And even no action makes you not get better. Um, so I've just really have dug in. I've dug into a lot of those pieces. I've surrounded my pe- myself with amazing, supportive people, colleagues, friends, and significant others that help lift me up, that pour into me and also help keep me on the right path when, when I stumble and help pick me up. Um, I find activities that I truly enjoy. I've created space within my calendar to be able to take care of myself. So I'm not jam packing it every moment of the day, making sure that I move, making sure that I, I do drink a ton of coffee, but also I balance (laughs) it with a ton of water. Um, but I'm living life. And I think that that's the biggest aha for me over the last couple of years is there's, I've watched so many principals diet or like get really significantly ill from chronic stress where they're getting like AFib or they're getting cancer because they're not going and getting it checked. And like the list goes on and it, maybe I'm just more sensitive to it, but so many people wait until they're retired to finally take their vacation days or to like go do the vacation they've always wanted. And I'm not doing that anymore. And I won't do that anymore. And so I've been very intentional about living my life to the fullest in all different areas, every area, in fact, to where I don't have any regrets that if, die in a car accident drive into the ESD today I'm good the people that I love know I love them I've that's where my time is allocated I do a good job at work 
um, I make a difference. Like I spend my time, how, how it is for my values and my importance of, you know, what means a lot to me. So again, listeners rewind. That was so powerful. And Rachel, I, I'm going to tell you, I didn't know about your husband. Um, no wonder that was such a, a deep question. And I'm so sorry um, that, that, that adds such a layer of complexity for the journey that you've been on. And I imagine when you looked at those choices, you know, deal with the trauma or don't, you had to make a decision, you know, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to rise up. So, Mm -hmm. so knowing he was a middle school principal and knowing that, you know, here you have to carry on without your partner and you're still able to find joy. I think there's a lot of learning in that for our listeners. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you miss him every day. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so and, you know, though, um, but it's also life. There's so many incredible lessons. So I think that's the piece that like li- live your life, like live your right. life, but also know that like, I mean, and he was in a great district, but they're going to like the school bell rings. Right. And this right. ties back into like, even when you're scared about moving on to another job, the school's going to still open. Kids are still going to show up. Right. So when you feel hesitant about moving to a new job or taking time off or like, you know, really sacrificing your life, know that we're all replaceable. We're all replaceable. And, you know, and that's not meant as like a a bad thing. It's just reality. And um, I'm a much stronger person and my values and my actions are much more in alignment. And I'm incredibly thankful for that. Um, Right. And, and you mentioned, um, it almost brought tears to my eyes. You said, you know, my people know that I love them and I I'm just finishing Melissa Etheridge's book. Um, I think it's singing to the angels or speaking to my angels. And that's what she says. She says it's about love. You know, it's about love with your work, the love to the people that you're with love for the process, love for the universe. And it's, it's choosing, I think, to live in a place of joy and love rather than a choice of, or a place of hate and fear and reaction. And, Mm -hmm. and again, that's what so many principals do. They wake up and they, they're like, okay, I'm ready. I'll react. And I think we need to kind of grab that reaction and find any way to make it proaction Mm -hmm. any way that we can. Yeah. Which made me think of like Dan, Heath's upstream book, which is phenomenal. Um, and we've spent a lot of time talking about that in my district. And I think that that's incredibly powerful. And it also makes me think of the book, the happiness advantage, um, because definitely like our brains go and fixate on the negative pieces and we often spin on it. And many of us our perfectionists are wanting or perhaps overachievers. Right. And so we may, we really fixate on those components. So to be able to really shift and identify the positives, what are we grateful for? And then be able to move forward with those steps and then also be proactive instead of reactive, uh, is, is incredibly powerful. Have you been able, I ask this because it's an ongoing process for me. Have you been able to work your mind such that, let's say a parent rages at you or, and I'm talking from your principal lens, Mm -hmm. principal rages at you or the water main breaks or, um, you know, half the buses are late and you're there till five, whatever. Have you been able to work your mind so that you can shut off that anxiety in the middle of the night? Are you able to, to, to put things on a shelf? And I ask because I tell other people to do that yet. It's still a little bit of a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. So tell me about, about, you know, the mind works, the perfectionism, the anxiety to not fail. How do leaders shut down the things they know are toxic to their success? 
So there's two parts to that. Uh, and this is going to be like free therapy that I'm going to help share out. Um, <laughs> Tele- telehealth. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, is that those traits and those drives and those wants, even though they're connected back to us and education and our work, they're connected back to something. If you were to spend time talking to a counselor and kind of unpacking those different pieces, you'll be able to trace it somewhere um, or with something. Now, what you do with it is totally okay. I think understanding the connection and the where and the why, and then what it looks like and how it manifests itself now is incredibly huge. And then you can talk about strategies. I think you can talk strategies, but if you don't understand the root, then it's kind of like blackberries, right? Like you're chopping down blackberries, but you're not getting at the root of it. I don't think that it's ever meant to be an excuse, 100% not. And you don't live in in the connection and the why, but I think it's powerful to understand that perspective. So thinking of ways to really kind of shut it down or at least tips and strategies that have been helpful for me. The book, Thanks for the Feedback. Miley and I read a ton. We both were slightly book obsessed, but that was a game changer for me. It really helped me understand some of the folks that you're like, I don't know if there's any validity to what you just went off on me about for 20 minutes. Like I feel (laughs) bad about myself or like, oh no, you're completely wrong. And I just sat there and sat there and took it. Um, But it really helped me be able to like, listen, not have my fur come up, be able to find like a gem of information or feedback that I could then act upon, or at least like compare and contrast and reflect on it to see, you know, does this fit? Does it not? But that also meant that I needed to put my ego aside and talk about the problem and realize it wasn't a personal attack against myself, even when it felt or it sounded like that. I think the other piece too, is the power of being able to journal and reflect or process. Some people reflect and don't want to talk to other people. I connect by talking, um, but I have lots of people in my life that don't, (laughs) they just want to sit and be quiet and like, think about it, which all of that is totally fine. But I think you need to find a way that you, you can let it go and start to kind of release it, if you will, whatever mode that might be for me. I even sometimes write if I'm not able to, to process it verbally with somebody. And then also I think being cognizant of your self-talk and something happened the other day where it didn't settle well. I could figure out why, like it upset me that someone said something to me. Um, and I knew why it triggered me. I knew where it connected back into my ego and my like perspective. I knew that it wasn't meant to be personal, but it was still hurtful. And I'm like, do I feel like I'm going to cry at work? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so you're like, let it go, let it go. And that I have a couple of key phrases that I use to just really help kind of coach myself because part of it is how your brain's functioning and rewiring it and reworking that story. Just like we teach kids of how they process right. conflict or create that resolution when there is a disagreement. We just need to retrain our brains. Um, so it's, it's not a, it's not an easy thing necessarily. There's some deep components with it. Well, and I think it, it, it's okay if that's a life's work, it's okay. If you work on that over and over, you never really master it. And, you know, as human beings, we are easily bruised. We are easily hurt and it's okay to not, um, it's okay to let that be. To, to be, I'm a human, you know, and 100, right? we're in the human business, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. That's what makes you good. And that's also some of the amazing powers that women have is that our emotional intelligence is incredibly high and the ab- ability to be able to navigate and be inclusive and connect people. Mm-hmm. It's a huge strength of ours. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think women have this incredible ability to read, uh, read a room, read faces, read a mood, read energy. And that's something that we should capitalize on, but also do it for ourselves, be mm-hmm. able to look in the mirror and read, read how, how I'm really feeling because we're so trained to get up and be fine. Don't you cry at work? Don't you cry? You know, mm-hmm. but, but um, you know, when it starts to squish our humanity, then that's when we pull back. And Rachel, you spend a lot of time outside too, right? You, and that's an important thing to talk about because when your lungs fill up with fresh air, it does help clear your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, um, I knew this was going to be an incredible interview. I really did. I, I'm so glad we were able to talk. I would love if you would tell our listeners where to find you and your co-author, um, tell us everything because your little telehealth therapy there might make your phone ring off the hook. So, so (laughs) tell us where to find you. Yeah. Email is probably going to be the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, my email is Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, dot george uh g-e-o-r-g-e zero zero at gmail.com excellent okay well this again i can't thank you enough for your time and for the work you're doing for women but for all leaders too i don't want to make this about women because i I, you know i got an email yesterday from a principal in the upper peninsula of michigan and he's saying i am hurting help me Mm -hmm. so it's all of us and um i think what you do rachel is your gift is you bring people together and you and you inspire with that joy so Um, Thank you for sharing your journey in such an open and honest way. And thank you so much for being part of the Principal Matters podcast today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about leadership academies, mastermind offerings, and executive coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdeepart.com. Thank you for learning together today. And thanks again for doing what matters.